Welcome to Uplifting Women Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. Welcome, everyone. This is Holly Tesca and my co-host, Kristen Strunk. And welcome to another episode of Uplifting Women. Today, we are honored to have a very good friend of mine and Kristen's as well, by the name of Dave Topp. Dave has been an amazing friend to me for over 20 years, just salt of the earth kind of guy, somebody who really lives his values, demonstrates kindness and empathy and support for all kinds of people. He's also been extraordinarily supportive of women in the workplace as, as well as the world. And as an extra special treat, he has brought with him his three daughters to speak with us as well. Dave, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and your three daughters to our listeners, and let's get kicked off today. Wonderful. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Kristen, for that wonderful introduction. And uh, I'm excited to join you with my three wonderful, lovely daughters. My oldest is Lauren, who is on the call with us. Uh, She is 22, and she is in her final semester be a nurse uh, come December. And then we have Leah, who is 20 years old. She will be a junior at the University of Eau Claire. She is double majoring in criminology and psychology, a minor, Leah, you'll probably have to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in military science. And she's also got Spanish. And she just completed uh, 12 weeks of Persian this summer. Joining me on my side of the computer is my youngest, Sydney. She will be a junior at Menominee Falls High School this year, getting ready to think about her career and her next step. And uh, one exciting thing she's doing at school this year is uh, a peer group where um, she will be a peer to other kids, somebody to talk to when they're going through a hard time. And so she's gone through training. And so she will be somebody that uh, when they don't feel like talking to an adult, They can come to her and talk to her and she'll be an ear to listen and support them. I'm very proud of each of them, what they uh, do in their own values and what drives them and what, you know, each of them has their own special place in my heart. I don't know, Lauren, Leah, Sydney, anything else you'd like to say about yourselves that you would like the audience to know? We'll start with you, Lauren. Um, Well, right now I'm currently just working two jobs. Um, I work at a hospital Um, I really have enjoyed that job just because it's helped give me exposure to the healthcare field. 
Um, it's helped me just to uh, gain confidence in how I interact with patients. And it's really helped show me this is just the career for me. Um, and I'm definitely doing the right thing. Also, I do work uh, at a coffee shop as well. I do love my coffee. So that's been um, just kind of a fun side job for me as well. And yeah, I'm just getting ready to go into my last semester and starting to think about where where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What kind of unit do I want to work on? So just starting to think about some of those things. Fantastic. Is it, Have you had any, um, any interesting rotations yet that are starting to pique your curiosity in terms of what kind of nursing you want to do? Um, I do work on a floor that has a little bit more critical care right now, and I'm definitely interested in that, but I'm also... Um, I'm kind of open to a lot of different things, maybe potentially a cardiac unit, um, like I said, ICU, or I would even consider working in the emergency room. So I start all that um, next week, actually. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm not going to be doing like my tech role anymore, okay. uh, but I am keeping the Starbucks job for a little while still. Tell us about, you know, your interest, Leah, and a little bit about yourself and how you got into... Um, heading down this military and criminology path. Yeah, so I'm going to be a, a junior at UW-Eau Claire. Uh, so I'm double majoring in criminal justice and psychology. I'm doing a Spanish minor, and I just completed a course this summer through the Department of Defense, and I learned Persian. So I did four months, of, or not four months, four semesters worth of coursework for the Persian language and culture. So that's kind of where my area of study is at. And I'm also in Army ROTC. Anyone not familiar with that, three or four years in college, you do physical training, you do leadership labs, you do a summer training. And then when you graduate, you commission as a second lieutenant. And my branch is the US Army. So I'll graduate college and I'll commission as a second lieutenant into the United States Army. Um, as of right now, I would like to maybe go active duty. I'm thinking something in intelligence or something maybe with interpretation or something with language since I'm learning Persian, which is, you know, a Middle Eastern language. And I guess I kind of got started on this path because my grandpa was a Marine and he always told us stories about his service and his time in the service and how much he loved it and how much fun he had. And at the same time, how much fun he didn't have. So it was just something that was always seemed interesting to me. And I got a really good opportunity through ROTC and I earned a full tuition scholarship. That's wonderful. I knew, thank you. And I knew I wanted to do military and go to college. So um, ROTC was just kind of the perfect thing for me to do, align with what I wanted to do. And then I started off in high school watching a lot of those crime shows on TV. And of course, they're not how actual criminal justice and law enforcement things work. But that kind of piqued my interest. And my dad and I participated in the Menominee Falls Civilians Police Academy, which was pretty much you go down to the station and they teach you about the police department, the different units like the drug unit. So we got to do a lot of fun things. That's something fun that my dad wanted to do with me. And then I also, a couple of years back, was in a FBI program with the Milwaukee FBI and the Marquette University Police Department. And that was a week-long program I had to apply for and get into. And all different people from all different branches of law enforcement came in and talked to us. We had Secret Service. We had 
um, different police departments. We got to visit the Milwaukee FBI and we just got to learn about all the different um, careers in law enforcement. So after I got like all those awesome opportunities, that's how I knew I wanted to eventually fulfill something in law enforcement. That's fantastic. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've got lots of different options. Well, Sydney, I think we need to move to you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what are you thinking about? And uh, what kind of piques your curiosity about your future? I am a junior at Menominee Falls High School. And something that I am looking at going into is social working. I find that really interesting and it's something I want to do and I want to be able to help people. And I'm very excited because this year in school, I'm taking AP Psychology and just very excited for that class because I'm very interested in everything um, about it. And you're doing the Peers program? Yes. So there's a program at my school called Peers for Peers, where it's basically if someone needs help, but they don't feel comfortable enough going to an adult, they can go to like a peer, um, which is someone who, you know, is there for them, can talk to them, help them through situations and stuff and refer them to other people. So I'm also part of that program. I'm curious, each of you are in the workplace, Lauren, Leah, Sydney, you're all in environments where you're interacting with other people who potentially have some of those biases, maybe those unconscious biases. Biases happen, discrimination happens, things get said or things get done. And I'm curious about how you all are experiencing your jobs, if you've had that happen, or if you haven't had that happen. Well, um, one thing that I can think of is definitely sometimes just in the healthcare settings when I'm getting report just from another tech or somebody else that I'm working with. Uh, you know, during report, we tend to talk about things that are prevalent to the patient. And I think that sometimes people might say something based off of the experience that they had with that patient. And one thing that I've really learned, especially from getting report every time I go on to a shift working in healthcare, is that it's really important to not let those things that other people may have experienced necessarily with that patient to cloud your idea or your conversation with that patient, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, what somebody else may have experienced is not even close to what I experienced with that person. And it's really hard because when you, when you put yourself in that setting and you're in healthcare, I always try to remind myself that these people are there. You know, most people don't want to be in the hospital. They're very vulnerable. They're going through a lot. And it's, it's a difficult situation for a lot of people. Emotions can be high. The in uncertainty and anxiety that people can have. And sometimes people might say things or do things that they, they don't mean in the moment. And I just think that one thing that I've really taken away, especially just from the experience that I've been getting as a CNA, is just to remember it, it's you and the patient. You go in, you do your best to help serve that patient. And sometimes all it takes is if somebody seems like they're putting up a front, sometimes all it takes is just asking them, you know, what's going on? How can I help you? And I feel like that has really helped me connect with a lot of my patients. And it's really helped me impact a lot of 
um, people's lives. And even when somebody tells me, you know, one thing like, thank you so much for taking those few extra minutes to talk to me, even if I don't get the acknowledgement from a manager or something, that means 10 times more to me to hear from a patient that I've positively impacted their experience just by taking time to get them to know them as a person and really kind of figure out, you know, what's going on and what can I do to truly help you while you're here? My response is a bit different than Lauren's just with my workplace experience because I've had a very different workplace experience. Um, When I was 16, 17, I started working at a thrift store. I stopped working there and then I last summer I was I was working with a staffing company and I worked in a warehouse and that was probably my least favorable position I've ever had it was myself and a friend of mine and we were two 19 year old girls in a fully male warehouse and it was yeah it was just it was not a good experience in that I had a great boss very kind very helpful but a lot of my counterparts that I was working with were just very inappropriate towards us. Clearly, we were two young girls working with a lot of older men, and they just made sort of disrespectful comments towards us about like the way that we looked. You know, of course, they thought they were complimenting us, but we didn't want to hear about. We didn't want to hear that. We were there to get paid and leave. So it was just not a favorable experience. I definitely would not uh, work at a place like that again. And I don't recommend it for uh, younger women, especially. Maybe that's just my experience, but it was just not a good experience. And then, like I mentioned, I did Persian classes this summer and it was an amazing experience. It was really fantastic. So I guess coming from a work standpoint, I can just kind of discuss my military experience and the leadership that I've had through that time. So I do that over the school year. I've only done it for two years and I've already dealt with people making explicitly sexist comments towards me. And a lot of my ROTC program is actually female. So it's just a little concerning, I guess, when there's people who are, you know, saying things explicitly like that to when they were they're working with a lot of other females. And I had an amazing female um, cadre who was in charge of our program for the last two years. And sadly, I won't have her again. But she pretty much told us going in as a young female second lieutenant, you will experience sexism. It will happen. You know, people are going to look down on you because you're a female. People are going to make comments about you, probably sexist comments. And like she just said, you are going to experience that. I've dealt with it my whole career, but you really you need to do your job and you still need to be a strong leader. So she didn't really say, you know, oh, blow it off. It's fine. She just said, you know, it's not fine, but it can be the culture of the military sometimes because it is male dominated. And there are still some men who don't respect women in the military and don't think women should be in the military. So she just gave us very good advice in that, you know, you are here for a reason. You're going through this program because you are a strong female leader. And when it's your time to be that, you know, be that and don't let other people's comments or concerns or whatever they have to say about your gender really impact how you do and what you do. So Leah, how does that, how does that make you feel? Truly, I kind of knew going into law enforcement and going into the military, well, the military is becoming, having higher number of females now, but going in, I just kind of didn't let it bother me. I just expected going into a male-dominated field. It was going to happen. It's whatever. But even in this past year, I just dealt with some blatant individuals who made comments to me. And 
I just really tried to have a conversation with him about it. But I realized from that conversation, if somebody truly believes that this, you know, you can't do this or you shouldn't be in this role or whatever, just because you're female or you can't get as high a score as a male on a physical, physical fitness test or something like that, just strictly related to your gender, you're not going to change their mind in one conversation. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to sit there and justify myself to somebody who already thinks that I'm weaker or whatever they believe because of my gender. It's not my job to sit and justify myself and explain myself. I have consistently gotten leadership roles in ROTC. I've always been a passing on the PT test. I recently got into this language program. So truly, I don't need to prove myself just based on my gender. If somebody wants to believe whatever, they can believe that. But I think my results show in myself that I'm a good leader and I deserve to be in this program just as much as anyone else. Leah, kudos to you, number one, for pursuing your dream, regardless of what somebody else might have to think about it. You know, my unsolicited advice, and it is unsolicited because you didn't ask for it, but I'll say, don't ever turn your back on that. The world needs females to say, too bad. I'm going to do this whether you want me to or you don't want me to do, because that's my right as a human being. You know, I don't have to be granted access to the club. And Sydney, what about your experience? So I haven't been working for very long. It's only been about five weeks. But um, from what I have experienced, I was the first couple of weeks I was working, I was working with a couple boys. And we were so what we have to do is we have to like take out the entire classroom, wax the floors, put it back in, you know, whatever. And so I was the only girl there that day. And it was a bunch of boys with me. And I was, you know, carrying stuff out and I had a bunch of them come up to me and grab stuff out of my hands being like, that's too heavy. I can take it from you. Even though I was clearly carrying it, it wasn't heavy. And that happened multiple times. And, you know, that made me very upset. And I went to my boss and I was just like, you know what, is there something else I can do? I don't want to deal with this right now. But my bosses are very kind, very understanding They're just, they're amazing people. And I'm very glad that I work with them. And one of the schools I was at, I worked with two other girls and one of them was very, I can lift everything on my own. I don't need a boy to help me. You know, she was very, I can do everything myself. And I loved her attitude. And it was just really great to see that because I am not very good at standing up for myself, but she like witnessed one time boys trying to take stuff from me and she was kind of like she can do it herself like let let her be Dave I'm going to give you a chance to um do a little true stories for dads you know you earlier had stated you have a special place in your heart for each of your girls do you have a particular story about each of them that really jumps out that really speaks to something about their character and why each one holds a special little place in your heart? Yeah. Um, no, good question, Holly. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you reflect back and you see when they were little and, and how, when they were little and behaved, 
how that still has carried forward uh, as they've considered these choices. So Lauren specifically, um, when my grandmother was still alive and Lauren was very little and we would be going to visit her and she lived uh, with my parents and she had her own little separate bedroom and area and Lauren would just disappear and we wouldn't know where she went. And we finally would find her back with grandma, just sitting and talking to grandma, jumping on grandma's bed, uh, but just visiting with grandma. And then um, she would also leave grandma and my my mom and my dad thank you notes anytime we visited and just saying thank you for, um, you know, thank you for being kind. Thank you for feeding whatever, you know, whatever a four or five year old writes thank you for. Uh, but she's always had this huge heart of wanting to help, uh, gratitude, uh, appreciation. And uh, that really uh, shines through when she talks about her work. It can be a really difficult night at work, uh, but she always talks in comments and focuses on who she helped that night and, and kind of the difference she made. And even when a patient is being particularly difficult or somebody's coming through the drive through and not being very kind to her, you know, she responds with kindness. And so I think uh, she just, you know, that's who she is. And uh, I think, you know, for her to pick the profession that she's doing, um, I'm, I know I'll be very blessed because there'll probably be a day in my life where I will need that. And uh, she'll be there to take care of me or she'll be there to make sure that the nurses who are taking care of me do take care of me. So uh, um, I'm, I'm very, uh, very blessed to have that. Leah has always been a take charge kind of person. And I used to remember there was a more, one moment when she was probably six or seven, Holly and Kristen, where I am arguing and debating with her. And I had to stop and think, I'm arguing and debating with a six-year-old or a seven. I can't remember what age it was, but like she was just mature beyond her age where her reasoning ability, her logic ability, uh, even to this day, when when she and I aren't on the same page, uh, it's quite a debate. And uh, I appreciate that intellectual challenge. And um, but it, it it it's it's great for her because at one point, you know, if there would have been a debate team, I think she would have been outstanding on that. Um, there are times where it, it's very tiring, tiring and exhausting. But you know, I appreciate the fact that you you have to you have to win her over, not just with, because I said so, because, um, you know, there's, there's more to life than when somebody just tells you because I said so that you should critically think through. And I think her critical thinking skills have, are going to really shine through in her career. And then Sydney, we have always called the heart of our family. And she's the one that always wants to play games as a family. She's wants to do family outings. Uh, she is happiest when we are all together. And, um, you know, as far as kind of the, the glue for the family, uh, she really uh, wants us to be, you know, together. And that's what brings her happiness is she likes hanging out with her friends, but she loves her time with her sisters. She loves her time with her mom. And I know she loves her time with me. So um, that's where each of them kind of really shines through. And so when she talks about her career with social work, I think for her, it's just an extending of how can she go in and help families like, you know, take her love of her family and uh, help other people that maybe need need that type of uh, love or care or concern as well. 
Amazing. Well, that's really hard work. So she's got her, she's got her future cut out for her there. That's for darn sure. So, you know, um, I mentioned earlier as well um, that you were the youngest of four boys in a family. What were some of the things, you know, that you learned as a young man or even a child, because we obviously we learn a lot when we're a child. What were some of the things that you felt were really foundational, you know, once you and your wife got married and decided to start a family you know, what were some of the things that you wanted to make sure that you passed along to your family? So, you know, I, I really reflected on this when we were, you know, talking about doing this, um, this interview, Holly, and, and two things, you know, from my dad's side, and I'll speak about my mom, too. So uh, image I have of my dad is, um, you know, we would go to church every Sunday. And we had to be to church early. But our church was small. And probably nine out of 10 times, we ended up standing at church and giving our seat up to either a woman with kids, an older woman, older elderly couple. And so I would ask my dad, I'm like, why, why do we have to get to church early so we can just stand up? Why don't we just go late? And because we know we're going to stand up. And he goes, that's so we can help others. That's just, you know, his thing was, we're saving a place for people who really need a place. And, um, uh, you know, my mother, uh, she passed 11 years ago from cancer and, uh, but she was always a very strong woman. She was involved in a lot of things. Uh, she was not afraid to help us work on the car and the engine. She knew what she needed to do. Um, so there was no specific, you know, things that were done uh, to her that couldn't be done. And so I think I just never really saw the difference between my mom's role, my dad's role. It was interchangeable. And, you know, uh, my dad helped out around the house when he could. Um, my mom helped my dad when he could. So to me, it was, I, I guess you could say a partnership. And, you know, one thing I've tried to, you know, share with each of the girls is, I want you to be strong that, you know, you're not reliant on anyone else and it's okay to be dependent and ask for help. But at the same time, I don't want you to be identified by your relationship or your partnership with somebody else, because you should know who you are first. And once you learn to love who you are, you can love somebody else just equally and unconditionally at that point. That's really beautiful, Dave. So girls, what do you think of that? Do you feel that? Do you feel that in the relationship within your family? Do you feel as though you can be anything you want to be and it doesn't matter and you can be yourself? Uh, well, I would definitely say that um, I'm very thankful that we've just had such a supportive family. I'm very grateful that I knew from a young age that I wanted to go into nursing. But ever since I've made that decision when I was in high school and I was in the healthcare academy, you know, when I was applying for opportunities just to like get into healthcare, kind of see, is this really what I want to do? I always had that support. And um, I think that it's just been so great to have that because even on days where I've felt like, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Is it really worth it? I've always had my dad and my mom there to support me. And they're like, you know, you can do this. Like you, you know, that this is the track you want to take. And, you know, there are going to be some hard times ahead of you. 
but you, you can push through them. And I really think that, you know, all of us have pretty much chosen a, a very different career path especially even from our parents. I just feel like there has been such a great amount of support from day one that's really helped me to keep going and keep reminding myself I'm almost there and I can do it. So something um, I was just thinking about, as you said, you know, do you feel like you can kind of be anything you want to be? One of the qualities I most admire that my dad has and shows us is that he does not give us overbearing, unsolicited parental advice. So even since I was a young teenager, my dad always asked us, do you want my opinion? If I went to him with a problem or just kind of, I guess, a sticky situation I just wanted to talk about, he explicitly asked, do you want my opinion? Sometimes I say no, I'd rather figure it out myself. Sometimes I say yes, because my dad really has always given me and I'm sure my sister's really, really great advice. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of parents make is that they kind of come on to their children too strong and they force their opinion on them um, or they just have to get their two cents in. And my dad has really never done that to us. And I think it's really helped us grow and I guess think for ourselves and think through situations and to kind of go off of that as well. I guess I'm trying to think of an example, but generally sometimes I've been in a situation where I just want advice or I just want someone to tell me what to do And instead of telling me what he thinks I should do, he just kind of talks me through it. So my dad is really, really great at helping us without telling us what he thinks that we should do or telling us what he wants us to do. Sydney, you have anything that you want to add? Yeah. So kind of adding on to what Leah says, um, he lets us make our own mistakes and lets us like learn from those mistakes. But even if it, you know, hurts us, he is still there to comfort us and support us through that. So that's another big thing. Some of life's life's greatest learnings, I think, come also from our biggest mistakes. You know, I certainly have found that. And as a coach myself, try very hard to help people find their own answers as opposed to giving them the answer. For one thing, I've not lived their life. <laughs> you know, I'm not coming with the same toolbox that they have. So it's not really fair for me to say, well, this is what you should, this is what you should do, because that might not be what they would want to do or doesn't fall within their purview. So so Dave, you know, as I said earlier, you're um you're a special breed because I think you really demonstrate some amazing qualities as a leader, as a dad, as a spouse, all those things. You know, for other men out there who have daughters, who lead teams of people, who lead women teams, who interact with women, what's some advice that you might offer to our listeners? You know, if you want to enhance relationships with women from the perspective of being more inclusive, getting better results, inviting them to participate more fully, what kinds of things would you offer to your male counterparts out there? You know, reflecting on that, Holly, I think the best, best advice I can give 
it's probably how I approach just generally everybody is, you know, um, a couple things. One is what comes to mind is really allow people to be who they are and try to understand where they're at. Right. And, and once you understand where they're at, you can help them if they really want help or you can, you then know how to coach them. Uh, you know how to give advice. Uh, you know how to help them solve situations because you kind of understand where they're at and you're not coming from just your perspective or, or where you think it is because it's, it's, it's really about if you, if you know how they're feeling uh, and their situation, that's the best way to probably help coach or, or lead people. If you're leading a team, the other thing is I, I know we all have biases. We grew up with them. And so to, to say, not to, not to acknowledge that you don't, but if, if you feel like you do, acknowledging them, understanding them, and just being aware. And um, how, do you, how do you work through that? Or, or even ask people and be open and honest with them and say, I have, you know, I have a challenge with this. So an example, one of my favorite all-time leaders who was my leader, then became my mentor, and now is my very good friend. Her name is uh, Francine and worked with her for a number of years at the YMCA. She was African-American, a strong female leader. And we had a very open relationship where we were transparent. And if I didn't understand something, she was a safe person to go to and say, I don't understand this, or this is what I'm dealing with. And sometimes she would say from a woman's perspective or from a person of color's perspective, this is what you have to understand, David. This is what you have to be aware of. And so she helped me create an open dialogue of understanding of non-judgment as a, as a white male to be able to go in and, and have those conversations and ask for advice without feeling like I was being uh, judged or criticized or corrected. And so, you know, I tried to carry that forward that in all situations, not just that, but we have to go into the situation kind of being aware, right? And, and so what do I need to be aware of first before I comment, before I react? Uh, and that could be a lot of different situations, um, not just specific to, to women or other situations, but it's, it's really just trying to understand the situation and being aware that you know, you may have a bias going into the situation, but, you know, finding that safe place to, to to have an open dialogue with people about it really helped me a lot. Dave, you and you and your wife have raised some amazing, amazing young women. And, um, you know, the world is going to be better because of that. That's for sure. You guys have been great. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences, the way you feel about things. You know, this is intended to be inspirational for others. And I think you've given us all a lot of stuff to think about. I feel really good that the world is in good hands. That's for sure. I'm interested in a piece of advice that you would give other girls your age. And what one thing would you say to them if you could say anything? And Sydney, I'm going to start with you this time. Okay. Um just, I know this is kind of off topic, but 
Social media is a big thing with, you know, people judging each other and people always trying to look perfect. And I promise you, social media and people whose lives look like it's perfect, it's not perfect. And everyone has their bad days and just times where people aren't okay. And it's also, it's okay to not be okay. And if you need help or anything, just don't be afraid to reach out because it's not as scary as you think. Excellent advice. Excellent. All right, Leah, how about you? So my one piece of advice, I think is very simple. I think it's very important. And it is be loud and do what you want to do. At this age, even in high school, college age, especially girls, you're under a lot of pressure. A lot of females tend to be more people pleasers. They don't want people to be disappointed. Don't worry about other people, worry about yourself, do what you want to do and do what makes you happy at the end of the day. And don't be afraid to make some noise on the way. Don't be afraid to work in a male dominated environment. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask for a raise in your job. Just don't be afraid to be yourself and be loud and do what makes you happy. I love it. I love it. Lauren? I think Leah made a great point. Um, She really did. But I would just say, um, just know that there is support out there. Um, Even if people feel like they might not have a great support system um, at home necessarily, there are always great support groups. There's so many great, um, just even on Facebook, different like nursing pages I've been able to find, CNA pages where you can just reach out and connect to other people, you know, and that can go for a lot of different careers. Um, And just knowing that there's other people out there um, that can help support you and that it's it's really important that you can chase your dreams and don't let things, um, little things kind of trip you up or make you think, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Because I've definitely had those days where I've thought, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to be a nurse. I don't know if I'm going to make it. But at the end of the day, if it's something that you really put your heart to and you really find ways to support yourself and also get support from other people, it is possible. Sadly, the, the the world hears a lot more of the bad news than the good news. And there is a lot of good news. So you three are shining examples of the good news that we, um, that we like to hear. And I hope we get to hear more of it. Well, Dave, thank you. Thank you so very much for taking a little time here today and bring us these wonderful young ladies that you and your wife have raised. Keep being an advocate for women and girls, as I know you will. Equality is still a a big challenge for women in the workplace. We've made some inroads, but there's still a a long way to go. So we need to continually uplift the women around us, whether it be in the workplace or the world, to help support them in doing whatever it is that their hearts desire, because they matter just as much as the boys. Absolutely. Thank you, Holly. And thank you, Kristen, for this invitation and allowing us to speak and and share our stories. You know, the last thing I want to say is we've mentioned my wife, Lisa, but uh, Lisa is a critical part of this partnership in working together. You know, we, we don't work against each other. We work together with the girls. And, you know, some days when She's stronger than I am. She takes the lead. And some days when I'm stronger than her, I take the lead. And so I think that's maybe, you know, just a piece of advice for people out there is 
building a little bit on Lauren's support network is, you know, be a support for your kids, be a support for those in your, you're responsible for as a leader. I think we can easily, you know, identify with being a support for our family, but I do take it very, very seriously that I am also a support for the people I lead and I'm responsible, not responsible for their happiness, but I am partially responsible for development, success, and helping them achieve what they want to do because I want I want them to feel fulfilled in what they do. I want them to to be you know successful. And I think whatever we can do to help create that environment, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, or regardless of your background or your interests, we all just want to come together and be successful. So you know if we can focus on that, like you said, the positive, Holly. You know, focus on the positive of what we're trying to achieve uh, as opposed to working against each other of maybe what separates us, you know, really feels better. And, you know, at the end of it, you're, you can recognize each other for your differences, but at the same time you've achieved something together and it's usually much better than it would have been on your own or with people who only think like you think. So you and Lisa hats off to you for raising an amazing family. You girls, um, I'll be reading about you in the paper and all the wonderful things you'll be doing. Uh, paper, maybe it'll be on social media. I'm dating myself. I don't know what you guys are all positioned to make a difference in the world. And thank you for sharing your stories with all of our listeners. You've been awesome. Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to uplifting women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.